Good morning, everyone. Luke chapter 12, it begins by saying, under these circumstances, now, what were the circumstances that Jesus is referring to? In the last two verses of chapter 11, it says, when he left there, the scribes and the Pharisees began to be very hostile and to question him closely on many subjects, plotting against him to catch him in something he might say. And they were after him, and ultimately they were going to put him on the cross as well. But, you know, it's clear that there's a division between the Pharisees and Jesus at this point. And that's the circumstances that he's under. So it says, under these circumstances, and then as well as what he says next, after so many thousands of people had gathered together that they were stepping on one another, the fame of Jesus was enormous. He began saying to his disciples, first of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Now, leaven is something that you put in bread to make it rise. And when the Israelites were going to leave Israel, they were not to leaven their bread because it would take time for the bread to rise and they were going to have to leave in haste. And typically, leaven in the Bible is used as uh, an example of something that you mix in that you don't want mixed in. Not that there was anything wrong with making bread rise, but that's the, uh, that's the symbolism that's many times used. So it says, beware of the leaven, something that you would bring in, the teaching that you bring in. And he says exactly what that leaven is in this case in the Pharisees. He says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, the Pharisees were a set of legalistic Jews who added to the Old Testament teachings to make a very strict following of what it meant to follow the law. And they wanted they wanted to show off that they followed the law that well and also put that yoke of that legalism on everyone else. And Jesus many times sh- showed them that they were really missing what it meant to follow God spiritually and from the heart and to care about others. They were too focused on legal requirements and not the actual substance of who God was and what he wanted people to believe. So, but he says this then, Jesus, there there is nothing covered up that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. It's a very interesting statement. And basically God knows everything. And I think much of what he's trying to say, he's trying to say against the Pharisees at this moment. But it's true for us, too, that, you know, things that we say, God knows what we say. And we should be really careful with our words to not, you know, unnecessarily disparage others or um, just say things that are dishonoring to our God. Accordingly, he says in verse 3, Whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and whatever you have whispered in the inner rooms will be proclaimed upon the housetops. Well, we'd all be guilty, wouldn't we? And may we do a better job of being innocent, not only through the forgiveness in Jesus Christ, but also just guiding you know, with the power of the Holy Spirit the things that we say, knowing that, hey, this thing that you're saying will be shouted on the rooftops one day. Uh, or proclaimed on the rooftops, maybe a better way of saying it. I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more they can do. 
But I warn you whom to fear. Fear the one after he has killed has authority to cast him into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Now, what what he's saying here is that we should we should have a proper fear of God. And God has the ability to cast those who do not believe in him into hell. And we should want to honor God. We should have an awe, a respectful fear of like, you know what? I want to do what's right and I don't want to do what's wrong. And that's going to be healthy in our lives to have that proper fear of God so that we do the right thing. A lot of times people are super casual, ho-hum, and 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 not caring about their behavior and lining it up with God. And that's not how we are to live. We are to care about God's ways and honoring them. But it's interesting in this passage because he says, have that kind of mindset. But then he also says this, are not five sparrows sold for two cents, meaning not much money, yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are numbered. Do not fear, you are more valuable than many sparrows. So at the same time that he's saying, you know what, fear God, fear following him, like do what's right and care immensely about honoring God, but then also do not fear because he's your father and he he values you and he knows the number of hairs on your head. So you can trust yourself to God, but but don't ignore the ways of God. Honor honor that. Honor the Lord. And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. And we should be ready to confess, be prepared to share for the reason that the hope is in you, yet do this with gentleness and respect. We we should have God on our lips and be a witness to who he is. And he says in verse 9, But he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And it's a great seriousness to deny the Lord. Uh, we should not do that as believers in him. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. Now, that's a heavy word. And one of the things that it, Jesus could be referring to is like the Pharisees who are mocking him and calling him uh Belzebul, that he basically is casting out demons by being a demon. Jesus may be referring back to that and saying, don't talk to Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, as though they're a demon. That's a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, and you know that won't be forgiven. Um, so that could be more so what he's referring to, but you know, again, we should be prudent with our words. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities do not worry about do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say for the holy spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say and that's a beautiful word and may we acknowledge the holy spirit i think it's so important as we are face situations in life that we are prepared to say lord help me and just remember the spiritual guidance and counsel he wants to give you because he definitely can give you the words to use and does. Hallelujah. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brothers to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? 
Then he said to them, Beware and be on your guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. Some people may have an abundance, but that's not what life is about. Ultimately, that's not what matters in the end is how many things we have. That's not what we live for. And he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years to come. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you have prepared? So is the man who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And it, it, it's a, a great word that I think he said. And he's not, he's not attacking the man for being rich. He's attacking the man for just living in comfort and not considering the things of God and not living to honor God and realizing that our lives could be gone at any minute and that what we want our lives to be about is God's kingdom. And, you know, some people in the Bible were poor and some were wealthy. But if you want to be a man or woman of God, we need to be known. That, like, needs to be the reason that we're known is that we are for God, that we live for God. And it should show in, in, in how we are generous and what we do with our resources that our priority is God. We need to be rich towards God. And he said to his disciples, For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storerooms nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Isn't that great word? I'm going to read that again. And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Jesus gives us such great words. I mean, you know, some of us have gone through stresses and challenges and financial challenges and financial setbacks. And maybe you're undergoing one right now, and I've got compassion, you know, for you. you know, I've gone through my own challenges in my journey of life. But, you know, most of us, uh, gosh, especially in America, um, we've been very blessed financially. And what I mean is most of us have food to eat, right? Most of us have clothes to wear. And, you know, ultimately, if we make life about God and serving his kingdom, if we have a place to sleep and we have clothes to wear and food to eat. You know, it's like we have what we need. And it by realizing that we don't have to have anything else that we sometimes tell ourselves, well, I need this to be happy or I need that to be happy or I want this to be happy. And we long for those things and we live then rest, rest less because we're living in want all the time. And he's saying, you know what? Look at the birds. They have what they need. And you know what? You have what you need too. And if once you realize that you don't need all those other things and you have what you need to survive, now go serve me. It keeps life simple. And that's why Jesus's yoke 
is easy and his burden is light because all the expectations that we put on life is not something God has placed on our lives. He just wants us to be rich towards him and serve him and keep life simpler. Verse 26, if then you know you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? You know, like ultimately life's not fully in our control. You know, we can't control everything. So no sense worrying about it. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. Solomon being, you know, one of the richest men in history. And yet a lily is dressed more beautiful than Solomon. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you? Hallelujah. We have what we need. You men of little faith, and do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. Do not keep worrying. For all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, but your Father knows that you need these things. But what are we to do? And this is really what can be boiled down to this. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. We should live for God, and there's a blessing in that. And there's a blessing sometimes directly from God. Sometimes God uses man to bless us. But when we seek his kingdom, there's blessing in that. And you know what? One of the blessings is that we don't face the destruction of not seeking God's kingdom. Because when we live in sin and we live for self, we end up making mistakes, and those mistakes are costly. But when we live for God and for his kingdom, we do what's right. And as a result of doing what's right, there's also blessing. And one of those blessings is just avoiding the consequences of sin. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. We are in the spiritual kingdom now, but one day we're going to be in the eternal kingdom with our Lord. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts which do not wear out. Where do you get a money belt that does not wear out? It's an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near nor moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And really the number one thing in our life is supposed to be the fruit of living for God. Um, The investment into others. Uh, helping others to know the Lord, making sure we know Him well, so that we are in edi- and that we're edified in Him, so that we can be a blessing to others. That's what our life is supposed to be about, you know. Um, and that doesn't mean that everyone, you know. I, I, gosh, even in my own life, I still see my own selfishness or my own longings or desires, but. At the same time, you know, I was a, a real estate guy and a land developer making subdivisions and doing well, but I sensed that the Lord wanted me in ministry. And, you know, I, I've i been doing ministry now since, you know, well, for 20 years I've been serving God in ministry. And yet, even though I, I saw that, you know what, the Lord wanted me to live for what matters in heaven, for treasures in heaven, I still live in this world. There's still um, temptation, not as much the sin, but just the temptation to enjoy life. It's always there. But at the same time, I know what God has me here for. And I want to, I, I, by being in the word like we're doing right now, it just reminds ourselves daily 
of living for treasures in heaven. And that's where our ultimate joy and purpose is, is living for the king and his kingdom. Be dressed in readiness. Be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast, so that they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find on the alert when he comes. Truly I say to you that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come up and wait on them, whether he comes in the second watch or even in the third and finds them so blessed are those slaves. So there's a number of ways to look at this passage, but ultimately we don't know when we're going to die. could happen at any time, and then we're going to be before the Lord, and it says that we're going to eat a meal with him. Hallelujah. It could be that Jesus comes back to rapture his church in any moment, and those who are not raptured are going to face the wrath of the tribulation, and it's going to be a terrible time on earth, and we don't know the day or the hour that's going to come. And even at the very end of the tribulation, when Jesus Christ returns, too, even at that time, for those who are earth dwellers and on the earth, it's going to come somewhat as a surprise at that time. And the point is, is that we don't know, whether it be death, whether it be rapture, whether it be the return of Christ, we don't know exactly when it's going to happen. And may we be found you know, a believer. May we be found living for him uh, when he comes. And the wrong attitude is to be slothful and be like, you know what, I'm probably going to live a long time. I want to enjoy life. I'm going to worry about me now and maybe someday later I'll serve God. And that's not the right attitude because we just don't know when uh, our time uh, is over and when he's going to come again. But be sure of this. Verse 39, that if the head of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. You too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect. And, uh, you know, again, I've already shared the three ways, death, rapture, or return. Uh, I think one of the most random aspects of the return of Christ is the rapture. Um, It's going to be very unexpected. And, you know, sometimes you can look at end times as a singular event, meaning the rapture, the tribulation, the return, it's all kind of like lumped together in this future uh, end times scenario. And sometimes I think the way things are said is he's just putting it together. He's having us say when these things happen. You don't know when, what our to expect these things collectively to come together. Uh, I believe sometimes that's the correct interpretation. Uh, verse 41, Peter said, Lord, are you addressing this parable to us or to everyone else as well? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise, sensible steward whom the master will put in charge of his servants to give them their rations at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes it's 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 interesting it, it that that slothful idea of don't be don't don't be not following him when he returns it's like jesus wants us to be about god's business when he returns and uh he makes this very clear over and over truly truly i say to you that he will put him in charge of all of his possessions and there's the reward uh of 
being found in him when he returns. But if that slave says in his heart, my master will be a long time in coming and begins to beat the slaves, both men and women, and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know, and he will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the unbelievers. Wow. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but a few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. Isn't that interesting? So, you know, now that we have heard this, we know the word of God. You're a believer in him. You've been told, listen, be on the watch, be ready, live for the Lord. There's a higher responsibility on those of us who know the truth. Let's live for the Lord. I have come to cast fire upon the earth, and how I wish it had already it was already kindled. But I have to I have a baptism to undergo. You know, his death is referenced as a baptism, his his death and resurrection, and that's why our baptism is also a symbol of dying and rising, just as his death and resurrection is a is like baptism. But I have a baptism to undergo, and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. Do you suppose that I came to grant peace on earth? I tell you no, but rather division. And before I move on, isn't it amazing, you know, learning the whole counsel of the Bible, learning the full Jesus. There are so many times summaries given of Jesus. Oh, he's just gentle and lowly, and all he does is love all the time. And and he can be very stern and give us ample warning and, and give us very direct words at times. And a lot of people just don't know because they haven't read the Bible. And it's really important to know the full Jesus. And I think knowing the fullness of him helps us to follow him all the more. Do not suppose that I have come came to grant peace on earth. I tell you no, but rather division. For from now on, five members in one household will be divided, three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son, son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Isn't that something? God is saying, don't be surprised when there is division in your family, especially when the division is about me. Don't be shocked by that. There's going to be division even in families over Jesus Christ. And uh, I know there's challenges in my own family and there's challenges in many of your families as well. Now, sometimes, a lot of times, really, it's because of sin. Uh, your sin, their sin. Um, and we should offer grace and forgiveness uh, for family and we should love family and we should want to be close to family. But sometimes the thing that's dividing is our faith. And we can't recount our faith in order to bring peace. Like there needs to be a a stance in truth that, no, this is what the Bible says. This is what I believe. And you know what? There can be harmony when people respect that, you know, and that that's important. Now, Again, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, and and love your family. But just don't be 
don't be so surprised when there's division over things of faith. Like that is part of life and it happens. And sometimes you can have people putting pressure on you, you know, oh, why, why this division or why that division acting like division is a sign that God is not involved in your situation. Sometimes division is a sign that God is involved in your situation because there is division at times over the things of faith. So we have to have a full Bible perspective. Otherwise, we'll always think, well, anytime there's animosity or division, you know, you must be doing something that's wrong. And that's not always the case. Uh, there's going to be, you know, if if people weren't willing to be divided in their family, then they couldn't come to Christ in that day. You know, coming to Jesus Christ and abandoning Judaism for Christianity was a controversial thing in the family. And someone might be mad about it, but what are you going to do? Well, my mom might not agree with this decision of me becoming a, a follower of Jesus, so I guess I better just do, I better not come to Jesus then. Well, that would be a mistake. You know, we need to come to Jesus even if our families disagree, you know, with that decision. So, so that's why I believe Jesus is sharing this with people because ultimately our loyalty is to, to him. And he was also saying to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the West, immediately you say, a shower is coming, and so it turn and so it turns out. And when you see a south wind blowing, you say it will be a hot day, and it turns out that way. You hypocrites, you know how to analyze the appearance of the, of the earth and the sky, but why do you not analyze this present time? And you know he's been talking about his return, but also he's talking now about he, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, is on the earth right now doing miracles. And they said he'd come from the family line of Bethlehem and to proclaim good news to the poor, and he's doing it. And yet they're rejecting him. And it's like if you can see the signs in the sky, how come you can't look back at the Bible now and, and see what I'm doing? The, the blind see, the deaf hear, uh, the dead have been raised. Why aren't you believing in Jesus? Why aren't you seeing this sign. Uh, well, we're going to have that now. The signs of the end times are upon us and coming, and we should be looking for those signs and getting ourselves ready to meet our Lord. And why do you not even, and why do you, excuse me, and why do you not even on your own initiate judge what is right? Boy, I'm having a hard time with this verse. And why do you not even on your own initiative judge what is right? We should be judging what is right. For while you are going with your opponent to appear before the magistrate, on your way there, make an effort to settle with him so that he may not drag you before the judge and the judge turn you over to the officer and the officer throw you into prison. I say to you, you will not get out of there until you have paid the very last cent. So it's interesting. After he just talked about the vision, now he's saying, you know, at times what you need to do is you need to reconcile or settle out of court or, you know, make things right when you can make things right. And that's what he's saying here. And, and uh, there's something to be said for that. So sometimes there's going to be division and sometimes you're going to need to do what you can to make things right and settle what's wrong between two parties. Uh, and this is why we need the Holy Spirit, right? May God, I pray for every person there listening right now, you give them the wisdom and insight to know 
God, where there's division, where they need to honor you, and and Lord, where they need to make things right, and and then what to do to make things right to honor you. So I pray, Father, that you'd give us that wisdom that you have. We definitely need you. We thank you for the fullness of your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit counsel. Help us, God, to learn how to apply it to our lives. And help us to be ready, Lord, that you are coming again. Hallelujah. May we live in honor of your return. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, amen.